Hello, I'm Annalisa Mackey, CEO of PADS Program LLC, publishers of the award-winning PADS Social Emotional Learning Curriculum for Preschool to Grade 5, and the author of the Evidence-Informed Emozi SEL Program for 6th through Grade 12, and the co-author of the upcoming book, Social Emotional Classroom, A New Way to Nurture Students and Understand the Brain. Welcome to this episode of Social Emotional Us, a podcast for educators, parents, and anyone interested in improving the lives of children through social-emotional learning. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Thompson, a teacher in the Phoenix Valley in Arizona. Michelle holds a Bachelor in Education, a Master's in Education Administration, and she's currently working on a Master's in Special Education, if that's not enough. She's been a teacher for 20 years' experience, ranging from preschool all the way to high school. Over the next few minutes, we're going to talk about transitions and managing emotions that come from major changes in our lives. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. If you could spend a little time telling our audience a little bit more about yourself, that'd be great. Thank you, Annalise. I'm so excited to be here with you today. It's quite an honor for me. Let's start off with wife, mom. I am remarried, so we have a blended family, which always adds for fun and chaos all at the same time. I have six grandchildren ranging from ages one to 10. So that is always fun and enjoyable because I'm fortunate that they all live near me. I had originally started my career in sales and marketing for a major hotel company and was loving what I did, absolutely loving it. And then I became a mom. That made it really hard to go back to that career. So I started doing things more involved in play programs, that type of thing with my first child. Then I became a mom again. Then I became a mom again. And then I became a mom again. One more time with feeling. Yeah, yeah, with all of that. And so in each of those, my life started changing as far as where my focus was. And so I decided to go back to school and get my bachelor's degree in elementary education. And as I worked through that process, really started to see myself moving towards the middle school age group. So I started in the classroom full time with middle school, mm-hmm. taught sixth, seventh and eighth grade while I did that. And then I was ready to move on to high school. I wanted to see that next step of watching students further become who they were. So for the past four years, I've been at the high school. I was a general ed English teacher. And part of my role was to have students with special education needs in my classroom. And just this past year, I have switched schools and am now actually working as a special education teacher and supporting those students in the general education classroom. Wow, that's a lot of transition. You've done a lot of different things, been been a lot of different places. And funnily enough, that's what we're talking about today, going through transitions. So you were talking a little bit about this last transition that you made from going moving into uh, the special education space. So what was your most recent transition like for you? This one is the most current, was Mm -hmm. not only switching schools, but switching roles on the campus. When I moved from middle school to high school, it was one thing to start in a new classroom and meet new staff, but I was confident in my curriculum. I was confident in my skill set for what I could do and decorating a classroom, no problem. I've got that figured out after all of these years. 
So you went from a reading, being a reading teacher, right? Yes. To now you're in special education in a math classroom, correct? Correct. That is correct. That's a big change. I am very fortunate that the district that I work for does what's called a co-teaching model. So they have a general ed content teacher in the classroom, and then there's a special ed teacher to help support the students in the classroom. And I really work with all of the students in the classroom, not just those with an IEP. My job is to help all of those struggling students. So yes, that was also a big change because I was no longer the decision maker. I'm Mm. now the co-teacher. So I follow somebody else's lead in somebody else's classroom. So in a subject matter area that's entirely different from what you entirely different. And I am crash course learning ahead of the students to make sure that I can help them. And it's been enlightening, inspiring, and also very rewarding in realizing that helping a student when they realize it's not my strong suit, that I'm out of my comfort zone in this content helps them as we work through problems together. So my co-teacher that I work with, she's phenomenal in math. She knows it. For her, things come very easily. I get to be like the students that says, I need to draw it out. I need to see it this way. So here's another way of doing this skill or this standard of what she was trying to say to help provide those other engagement strategies to help the students understand what's happening or how to more effectively take notes so that their notes are helpful. So it's a very different role, but it's also very rewarding to watch as the students understand what it is they're being asked to do. So when you took on this very different role, What were some of the emotional experiences, if you don't mind sharing, that you felt yourself going through this transition? And and how did you deal with those emotions? I went through a whole range of emotions. Mm -hmm. It was definitely there was some excitement. I think I was ready to try something different after so many years as an English teacher. So you were looking for some challenge. I was looking for some challenge, but I also really wanted to feel like I was making a difference. And in a lot of ways, as the general ed teacher, it was becoming very, because the class sizes were larger, it was becoming more difficult to really build those relationships one-on-one. So did you feel a disconnect between your into the individual students and yourself? I don't know that it was disconnect as much as just not not as much depth to the relationships as I see I would have liked. Okay. And I think that was, I became more aware of that this past year with the online learning when we were trying to do things remotely, which students were engaging and responding and which weren't. And for me, I think it was just an awareness of, am I teaching content or am I building relationships? And I really was missing that relationship part of why I became a teacher. Right. So when this opportunity presented itself, there was a part of me that thought, well, this is what I should do for the next step towards administration. Through this process, 
I am really appreciating. One, it's a new campus. It's all new students. They are now having to get to know me. And so for my students that are on my caseload, those students with an IEP, really building that trust with them and being able to focus on them and help them reach each of their goals. So there was a lot of excitement for it, but there was also a lot of apprehension involved too to start the co-teaching model. It's speed dating, basically. You are now essentially married to this person. You're sharing a classroom. You are sharing students. And in a lot of ways, it brought up a lot of my insecurities of being in high school all over again. Is she going to like me? Is she going to trust me? How committed is she to this? Is she on board with the co-teaching model? And, and we perceive things that weren't even true. But in my mind, I was thinking, does she even want me in the classroom? Isn't that funny? Because, you know, some of the insecurities that you have as a young person, you know, going into new situations, that's same insecurities that you can still have as an adult going into a new situation. You oh, know, absolutely. The, yeah, the uncertainty. And so it's interesting, you were talking about the anticipation and the excitement of taking on a new role, which I think pushes people to try new things because they're excited about it and they want those opportunities. And juxtapose that with the emotion of not concern, but more anxiety and discomfort around the unknowns, which can also be the thing that makes you decide not to take on an opportunity. So having those two types of, those two types of emotions juxtaposed with each other, a push and a pull, if you will. Absolutely. I think if we really think back on getting married, going mm -hmm. to college, having children, even from a student perspective, they could be excited. I'm going to make it to high school. This is a great time of my life. Mm -hmm. But all of those same feelings still happen. And it could be a really great feeling for one day and miserable the next in just learning how to handle it, how to work through it, how to see it as positives. So and how to navigate the whole experience that's so un unfamiliar. Exactly. And some changes we have no control over. An eighth grader leaving to go to high school does not have control over that change. It's happening. Right. That kind of uh, leads me to a next question of, you know, children going from, say, preschool transitioning to kindergarten, students going from grade five transitioning to middle school into grade six, students going from grade eight transitioning into high school into grade nine, students going from grade 12 graduating and going on to adulthood, right? Those are really big things. And to your point, those aren't decisions that they get to make, they're being sort of thrust upon them because they're aging, right? And so how have you seen those transitions going since you managed, you've, you've been teaching from one end of the spectrum to the other. <laughs> what do you see as some of the commonalities of transition from those age ranges 
And in terms of these changes, who does it affect? I'm going to share a little story because it was an epiphany for me when I was teaching middle school. My daughter was two years old and my oldest daughter was 12 years old. And we were having one of those rotten, no good, miserable days. And the two-year-old was having a temper tantrum about her shoes in our kitchen. And she was having her meltdown. My 12-year-old was also having a temper tantrum about something that she also wanted control over. So in one end of the room, I've got the two-year-old and the 12-year-old having a temper tantrum, basically doing the same thing. And I had compassion for the two-year-old. And when the 12-year-old rolled her eyes and slammed her bedroom door, I had a completely different reaction. And that was my epiphany for realizing it wasn't about the age. It was about the experience and what they were trying to control in their own world. And as a parent, also having to understand, I had to understand that those transitions were very similar. And even though I was looking at a 12-year-old, her experience and her seeking that individuality and making that next progression was equally important to the two-year-old being able to put on her own shoes. Now, what the issues were were very different, but their emotions were very similar. And I think understanding that it wasn't my parenting per se, but the shift in power or balance of them trying to attain that next skill meant I had to back off a little bit. And so understanding that I had to provide support, guidance, love, and a safety net to make them feel safe to try that transition but understanding that with each of these transitions, my power or my control had to back off a little bit more and I had to put more trust in them and their ability to make the decisions. And I think even though it's a very simple analogy, for a parent, when a child goes to sixth grade or ninth grade or to their adult life, that as the struggle of our parent where we have felt this responsibility and this importance of helping them navigate really is more we have to give them that power to learn how to handle those situations and then provide that safety net to catch them if they should fall or to be there when there's a struggle or a challenge. Very much when they were learning how to walk, ride a bike, they learned how to do those things, not always the first time successfully. But as parents, we kept cheering them on and we kept encouraging that independence. And so I think when we talk about transitions, in order for students or children to feel safe trying that experience, they have to know that the parents have got me even if I fall. I have this safety net in place. It can't be that bad. I also think from a perspective of a teacher in a classroom that we as adults want to help kids, want to provide that safety net for them too. And that we understand that the changes that they're going through are at one, at one end of the spectrum exciting and at the other end, <sighs> terrifying. 
and that, you know, we're there for all, all of it, good, the good, the bad, and the ugly to try to help them move forward and make something that's an unknown seem less scary, feel less scary, and allow them to feel confident that they can succeed in this new situation that they find themselves. So I think it's important too for teachers to not forget what it feels like. Ah. And I think sometimes when teachers are planning all of their back to school, they're so pressured to start curriculum right. that they forget the time to build those relationships and create that safety net, that foundation for students to make that transition. So how do you find going from, so in elementary school, where typically you have one primary teacher for the entire day with the, with the children, you transition to middle school and the kids start moving around rather than the teachers moving around, right? As a teacher, you have more students, you see more students during the day. And then high school is a similar experience, right? Sometimes though, you know, if there's semester systems like that, then you still see them a little more consistently by the semester. So how do you find when you're seeing as a teacher, especially in middle and high school, you see so many students in the course of a day, how do you find that making those connections, those relationships to help kids support their transitioning between, you know, a new grade or a new experience? Is it, is it more challenging at that level? I do think it is more challenging. I think part of the limited bell schedule mm -hmm. will hamper that. I think building relationships has to become very intentional and working the classroom and checking in on the students needs to be a regular part of classroom instruction as opposed to just a lecture format. Yeah, just I, jumping right into the academics. Right. Yeah. And I think what happens is at the middle school and high school level, teachers become a little bit more disconnected. And I think students feel that even if it's not intentional. And Simple things like standing at the door and greeting students when they're coming in. Mm -hmm. I always call it my mom eyes when I stand at the door because I can read so much of the student's face when they are walking in and you notice things like the change in their coloring. Do you feel okay today? What's going on today? And even if you don't stop and talk to them right then, it gives you the opportunity to then follow up with them later in, on in class, more privately, more individually, are you okay? But I think as the numbers grow at the middle school or high school level, it takes more effort to really process and monitor that. But it is still an integral part. And the students know the difference because if it's week eight and you still don't know their name, they know that and they're not going to trust you. And you may get work from them because they have that innate push to do well, but they're probably not thriving because of you. They are working through the system. But you can also take that same student who maybe is not as driven and just needs that extra support and will start to trust you and will start to engage. 
So do you have other, any advice for teachers or, and or parents um, who are trying to support their students or their, you know, their children going through these transitions? What would your one or two big pieces of advice be for them? My first would be teachers take the time to get to know your students. Whether you do portfolios, do an online portfolio, start to ask them their favorite songs. Ask them some very safe questions that they can respond to without being in front of the whole class to respond to. Mm -hmm. But get to know them. What is their favorite music? What movies do they like to watch? Find out what their extracurricular activities are. Just start having those small conversations. That's, it starts with the small. Do you find that you share things about yourself when you're asking them to share things about themselves? All the time. There are limits. I do have boundaries of how personal I will be, but I definitely do share my life experiences. And for example, I cannot believe I'm going to say this live, <laughs> but high school geometry, my first semester, I think my teacher passed me because he didn't want me to take the class again <laughs> because I passed geometry with a 0.60001. Wow. Obviously, geometry was not my strong suit. Not that I wanted to share that with the students, but I did because I wanted them to know that I struggled. I wanted them to know that it's not always easy for everybody. It's not always easy. And I really do try to compliment our lead teacher because it is natural for her. And so I really wanted to bring out this idea that we can work through things that we don't always feel good about. And you too could end up teaching in a classroom where you just barely passed initially. <laughs> There's the hope for everyone. Now I actually get it. And I go, why was this so hard in high school? <laughs> now I look funny? at it and I go, oh, this is really easy. My niece goes to a local high school, not my campus, but another one. But we all have a shared curriculum and we have shared benchmarks. And mm -hmm. she was stressing about a benchmark assessment the next day. And she was at my house for dinner that night. And I just said, oh, you just need this this or this. If it's this question, you need this formula. If it's this question, you need this formula. And she looked at me as if the light bulb went off and said, that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's my job as this co-teacher is to make it approachable. So what you're saying then is the first point is to get to know your students and to be genuine in return with them. Mm -hmm. Kids are kids. They know if you're faking it. Right. And then is there a second tip that you would recommend? My second tip would be to the parents. Okay, and let's lay it on us. Lay it on all of us. <laughs> my second step is still be involved, still mm -hmm. participate, but help shift that responsibility to your students. So rather than speaking for them, help empower them to speak for themselves. If they're struggling in a class, rather than you sending the email to the teacher asking what they can do, Help your student write the email to asking for help. Those types teach of- Teach them, teach your child how to advocate for themselves. Right. And that's going to go back to that previous example that I was sharing in that shift of power, right? That balance. Give that safety net, but 
helping them to own that next step of independence so that when they are going to university or whatever their adult career life will be after high school, they have those skills to advocate for themselves. So this time period from sixth through 12th grade, yes, parents should still be involved. Yes, you should still take an active interest. But when there are questions or concerns or something that's confusing, help teach your child how, or your student how to interact in a proper email to the teacher. Put your CC email address on there so you see the response. That's not a problem. But teaching your student those skills so that they can have that independence and that next stage that they're wanting but also your support that they need at the same time so that you're just creating a new equilibrium or a new balance. I think what you're offering is really interesting because what often happens is in a situation of transition, there's all that uncertainty, that period of uncertainty and not really knowing how to navigate the new experience. But if you have an understanding of how to advocate for yourself, if your parents or your teachers have taught you how to ask for what you need, you will be more likely to be able to navigate that new experience a little more effectively, even if you're feeling anxious and and not so confident. At least you have the skills to be able to try to get the information that you need so that it will make it a little bit easier. And that you're being heard. And that you're being heard. That's if right. you're, you want to feel heard, you want to feel supported, and you want to feel, believe that people believe in you. Yeah. And we are more willing to try things. We are more willing to engage and experience those transitions when we feel supported to do it. And feeling that we have some skills to be able to be to accomplish what we're there to do as well. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today about uh, transitions and all of these experiences of transitioning in for kids, transitioning for teachers, transitioning for parents. Basically, it's a lifetime of transitions. And I really appreciate the time. So thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you to our wonderful guests for this thought-provoking conversation. If our listeners would like to continue the conversation about this topic, please find us on Facebook under Paz Program. Feel free to ask questions on the podcast episode post. We'll answer them, and we may feature the answers in a future Facebook Live video. Please join us next time on Social Emotional Us as we continue to explore how SEL can benefit everyone at any age.